Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. U.S. worker productivity decreasing for a second straight quarter. An employer cost for labor climbed by the most in more than a year. The measure of employee output per hour fell at a 1% annualized rate from January through March after a 1.7% decline in the fourth quarter. America's trade deficit shrank more than forecast in March as imports fell in percentage terms by the most in seven years and outpaced a decline in shipments overseas. Companies in April added fewer workers to U.S. payrolls than economists projected. Signaling employment gains may have peaked, that according to a report from the ADP Research Institute. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, are lower amid lingering concerns that tepid global growth will weigh on the U.S. economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 13 points. Dow E-mini futures down 94. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 31. The DAX in Germany is down 6 tenths percent. Ten-year treasury up 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.78 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.74 percent. NYMEX crude oil now up 1.5 percent, up 66 cents to 44.31 a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent, or $3.30 to 12.88.40 an ounce. The euro, $1.1494. The yen, 106.55. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Clive Crook, a columnist for Bloomberg View. The biggest misconception about next month's referendum on Britain's membership of the European Union is that it'll put the issue to rest. That's unlikely. The referendum on Scottish independence is a guide to what's coming. Scots in 2014 voted to stay in the UK, then at the next election gave the Scottish National Party, dedicated to Scottish independence, a crushing victory. The UK's calculation on Europe is similar. Quitting the EU is a big risk, so prudence says stay. But British, that is English, resentment at rule from Brussels won't be assuaged by being offered the chance to go. Doing the prudent thing will only make Britain more resentful. If it votes to stay, the UK will be more Eurosceptic, not less. So much so, the EU might eventually want Brexit more than the Brits do. There's a kind of twisted logic here. For the UK, the biggest risk in Brexit is that the EU will punish it for leaving. The answer is obvious. Vote to stay, then be so exasperating that the EU will actually pay you to go. I'm Clive Crook, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentary can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Michael? Uh, Tom, uh, we have a this just in. Bill Gross out with his latest commentary. He is. He foresees trouble ahead for the U.S. economy and helicopter cash. He thinks oh. central banks will go to helicopters. That's uh, the the new Janus commentary from Bill Gross, who will be with us on Friday when we report the jobs oh. figures. So um, we'll certainly be talking with him about that. You'll want to tune in. Well, the news of the day on the political side, of course, Donald Trump wins essentially the Republican nomination by sweeping Indiana yesterday. Hillary Clinton loses to uh, Bernie Sanders, but uh, still has more 
uh, has about twice the number of delegates he has, so still on track for the nomination, although that will continue uh, to be a race going forward. Uh, what are we to make of these results? Well, the Almanac of American Politics says that uh, Indianapolis is precisely at the center of Indiana, the largest, most dominant city in the state. What residents once disparaged as Naptown has become a thriving metropolis, including is, the downtown district. Does it's that mean po- Andre Carson's a vice presidential candidate for Mr. Trump? <laughs> no, wrong party. <laughs> uh, Andre Carson is a congressman from the 7th District, which encompasses uh, much of uh, Indianapolis, including the downtown, uh, all, oh, well, pretty much most of, this, uh, of the city. And, uh, and uh, he has a very diverse district. He is a Democrat. Uh, which leads us to a very interesting question. Indiana voted for Donald Trump. He got more votes almost by himself in the primary than Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders did together. You have a state that is industrial, Rust Belt, but uh, also uh, trying to you know move towards a, a more technology-driven uh, d- state. So can Donald Trump win Indiana in uh, in the fall, can he convince uh, the people in your district that things are terrible and he is the answer? Well, I think um, we have to look back at the election results in 2008 where you had a Republican governor, uh, the former OMB director under George Bush, uh, Mitch Daniels, uh, win uh, Marion County, and you had President Obama win Marion County. So even though Indiana is a red state, um, Indianapolis in particular, there's, there's a strong libertarian streak and an independent streak, and it's reflected in what you've seen in, in, in the recent election results. Well, characterize for us the feeling of people in your district, mm-hmm. not about each of these individual candidates, but about the economy in general. Well, our unemployment uh, hovers around the national uh, average, which is around 5%. Um, our state was impacted tremendously uh, um, because of NAFTA. You know, one out of every five jobs in Indiana is a manufacturing job. There are changes that are taking place uh, in our state and in several counties. As far as the eye can see, there are wind turbines being built. And so... Our, our technological sector has been growing and is growing, but what we're seeing is that we're trying to transition those folks who come from the manufacturing sector uh, into a different space. Our largest employer uh, employers happen to represent the healthcare industry, be it Eli Lilly or Anthem, Blue Cross, and, mm-hmm. and the scores of hospitals that we have in, 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 in the city in particular. But more and more Hoosiers are becoming self-employed. They're starting their own own businesses. And we have to remember that Indianapolis is the amateur sports capital of the world. But this shift... Is that because they traded um, Peyton Manning? (laughs) 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 I just wanted to get you going, Congressman. It's so early in the morning, man. It's cold blooded. So let me let me shift let me shift the dialogue, Congressman, if I could, to what's so important. Uh, you have a heritage within Indianapolis with your grandmother Julia Carson uh, serving as well within the new seventh uh, district. What would be your prescription for Secretary Clinton? Does she need to provide a Sanders Warren like more left economic plan, or does Secretary Clinton need to move to the Indianapolis middle? Well, you know, I um, uh, uh, we live in a centrist 
country, essentially. I think that Secretary Clinton has a fantastic message that resonates with Hoosiers. She, being from the Midwest, um, I think she has Midwestern sensibilities. Um, I think what would be most important is for her to unleash her very capable surrogates in the state who can, who can, who can, who can persuade those voters who are on the fence. I agree with a lot of what Senator Sanders has to say. I think he represents progressive possibilities. But at the very same time, I mean, Hoosiers tend to be uh, conservative as it relates to economic issues. We've seen a huge shift in our state under the RIFRA uh, legislation and, and, and Governor Pence's fiasco. And so socially, um, Hoosiers, Republicans and Democrats, uh, tend to be more toward the left on social issues. But the economic questions are still looming in our state. You know, I, I came out against the Trans-Pacific Partnership recently. I was, even though I'm a, new, I'm a member of the New Democratic Coalition, um, but I was a no on the Columbia Free Trade Agreement. I was a no on the Korea Free Trade Agreement, and I was a no on the Panamanian Free Trade Agreement, simply because I watched hundreds of thousands of jobs leave our state. And most recently, Carrier, uh, which is located in the heart of my district, impact your jobs. Now, Donald Trump can't keep Carrier in the state despite what he says. Uh, Precisely. But, Precisely. But then what is the message uh, when you from either candidate, the candidate who's going to win Indiana this fall, what is that the message they're going to to bring to your constituents? I think that message is they are going to support policies that make it much more difficult for companies to ship jobs outside the United States, and those companies who attempt to do so will be penalized. We have to look more seriously about closing many of our tax loopholes that allow companies to do these kinds of things. And I think that kind of message resonates with Hoosiers as it does with other folks in, in, in less felt states. We don't have time, Congressman Carson, but I must have you back on infrastructure and investment. I remember one day, Congressman Carson, driving on a four-lane highway in Indiana that all of a sudden became a two-lane highway. Most people have forgotten about the building of the Internet system. Uh, That's thank right. You. Absolutely. Congressman Carson, thank wow. you so much. He is the Democrat from uh, Indianapolis. That was fascinating. I mean, Mike, we don't talk enough to people in the trenches. Actually, I love what he said there. It's about lieutenants. The focus, all the media focus, Clinton, Trump, Clinton, Trump, Clinton, Trump. you got to get out the troops. That's yeah, the congressman's uh, district, relatively safe for him, but... Uh be interesting yeah. to see what happens to others. It, it, what's fascinating is it's a rectangular district. It, it, it's one of the few districts I've ever seen on the Michael Barone map that doesn't seem to be gerrymandered into oblivion. It's almost like normal geometry, what you'd expect <laughs> from another time. Oh, I knew you'd get back to math. What you would expect is another hour of Bloomberg surveillance. We will do that for you. We'll do that next. <laughs> 